In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you're here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In 2020, there was a book that was published about Saint Joseph. The title is Saint Joseph and His World, authored by Mike Aquilina. It was a creative presentation of his life paralleled with another important figure during our Lord's time and to whom, in fact, the Holy Family was submitted to in the earthly realm, of course, and that is Herod. Scott Hahn summarizes the book in his foreword and he says that perhaps we may not want to spend time reading about King Herod's astonishing depravity, but apart from it, we cannot truly see St. Joseph's virtue. St. Joseph, in other words, has his virtue that shines out with the contrast of the life of Herod. Herod is too often the acknowledged elephant in the room in discussions of the Holy Family. We don't want to bring anything so unpleasant into the conversation, yet Herod figured in their lives in so many ways. Joseph was a carpenter, a tecton, a craftsman, and perhaps this trade was also um, passed on to our Lord Jesus Christ. Herod was also perhaps history's most lavish patron of the craft or carpentry. He succeeded in the construction of the Holy Temple of Jerusalem. Herod was pretender to the throne of David. Joseph, on the other hand, was a legitimate heir of that throne. Herod's daily decisions affected the well-being of Joseph's village, his clan, and his trade. Herod's programs and his whims exercised a profound influence on their economy and security. We can be sure that even in remote places like Nazareth, the air was alive with whispers of news and gossip from the capital. Looking at the life of this king, Herod, we see that he established a reign of terror. A ruler who wanted to rule by himself and who tried to kill, to murder, even relatives, anybody who would go against his kingship. In contrast, St. Joseph had the king in his arms. His life was in obscurity, yet having the Savior and Redeemer of the world, that very important mission he was establishing the kingdom of his son. As he built every home where they dwelt, 
where Jesus had to stay. You could imagine the cave in Bethlehem, their home in Egypt, and their dwelling place in Nazareth. He was, in fact, establishing the future throne of the king, the kingdom of God. When I was reading this um, this story or these biographies, what came to my mind was St. Augustine's powerful work. He authored many classical writings in theology, and one of those was entitled The City of God. The book presents human history as a conflict between what he called the earthly city, often colloquially termed as the city of man, and or versus the city of God. A conflict that is destined to end in victory for the city of God, obviously. This city of God is marked by people who forgo earthly pleasure to dedicate themselves to the eternal truths of God, now revealed fully in the Christian faith. The city of men, on the other hand, consists of people who have immersed themselves in the cares and pleasures of the present passing world. St. Augustine's thesis depicts the history of the world as a universal warfare between God and the devil, a metaphysical war that is not limited by time but only by geography and earth. In this war, God moves by divine intervention, providence, everything with the Catholic Church in order to oppose by all means those that are not aligned with God, those who are ruled in the end by the devil. God reigns in his city and the devil is king in the city of the world. When we talk about this city of God versus the earthly city, we are easily can be can can be can you be reminded as well of the great teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously, Augustine patterned his book with what came from the lips of Jesus. Lord, when I think about the kingdom of God, I can easily see that there are many threats against it. It is offered to all men, but mysteriously, there also is a rejection on the part of all of us. And mysteriously, you do not force this kingdom. You do not violently invite all those who don't want to be with you. You taught us that the kingdom of God is fulfilled 
in heaven. And those who do not want to go to heaven will end up in another place reserved for the devil and his angels. Address our Lord right now in your heart and tell him, Lord, I want to believe this. I want to be very conscious of the last things called heaven, hell, and purgatory because you taught this. This is no mere invention, old tale used to scare people. This is from Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, you taught us, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate them one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer you, Lord, when did we see thee hungry, and feed thee, or thirsty, and give thee drink? And then we will see thee a stranger, and welcome thee, or naked, and clothe thee. When did we see thee sick, or in prison, and visit thee? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then those at his left depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You repeated the same conditions in which you were ignored and those souls did not mind you and you explained in the last those will go into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. Hell is the truth of our faith. The existence of hell and heaven it's a teaching of you, my Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot forget this. There is a hell. Saint Jose Maria would write in the way, num point number 749, not a very original statement, you think. I will repeat it. There is a hell. Echo it for me at the right moment, in the ear of one friend, and of another, and another. It is possible, Lord, because of my stubbornness, because of my indifference, to end up completely losing all the opportunity to be with you. A pain of the senses experienced after the resurrection of our bodies, but more deeply, the pain of loss, an eternal deprivation of the vision of God, 
the human heart has been created for love, as it is reduced to the solitude of egoism, will be filled with hatred to God, whom we will never see, forever, as well as to other men. The condemned will remain without love forever. He will never be any chance, there will never be any chance to obtain consolation, remain in the company of demons and other condemned souls. There's this novel of um, C.S. Lewis entitled The Screwtape Letters, the story of the uncle Screwtape writing to his rookie devil, Wormwood, his nephew, and he gives them the advice on how to tempt men, how to be successful in leading people to hell. Obviously, a work of fiction. And there was this um, patient, somebody that was being tempted, a person was being tempted by Wormwood, who started thinking about atheism and all its dangers. He was positioned not as a believer and while he was in the library a certain thought approached him and he started thinking is it scary to think of hell later on in Screwtape's experience he told him another patient to whom he was successful Tempting. He said that he tried to tell that person when he was being tempted, when he was being I was given that idea that there is a God, Screwtape suddenly inserted the thought, maybe you should not think about this. Maybe you should start forgetting about it because of many other things to do. The patient, the one being tempted, brushed off the same thought and said, no, I have to resolve this. And so Screwtape mentioned to him a suggestion, maybe you should not think about God anymore because you're hungry. And then the patient, the tempted, replied, but this is a very important thing. Screwtape inserted another thought. Since this is a very important thing, maybe you should rest a while so that you could be prepared in thinking about it more deeply. Go, breathe some air, and distract yourself. As soon as he gives in to these distractions, the patient forgets about the thought of God. Screwtape succeeds. Modern man can easily ignore these truths of our faith. We can always talk about God being so merciful, so loving, so forgiving, but forget that the freedom of man who is so mysterious will always be respected by God. That God never forces 
souls to be with him and he allows with their freedom to offend to go away to be banished to sin and with sin we also are aware especially the mortal ones after death will result to a self-condemnation out of divine justice a place called hell Lord help me to avoid this possibility all of us are candidates to go to this place where there is no God when there is no love a reign of terror, a reign of fear, a reign of darkness. It's pretty interesting that the saints, with their holy lives, always consider themselves great sinners. From St. Therese of Avila, St. Jose Maria Escriva, they always thought that they could commit the worst sins and that they are never sure of their salvation. That they continuously have to work for for their love for the glory of god for heaven and they're not sure of it no one can say i'm sure of salvation but the love of christ his merciful gaze on us will be what is crucial this heaven that our Lord has promised us is this place which He has prepared for all of us. Beloved, St. John wrote, We are God's children. It doesn't appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He wrote in his first epistle, chapter 3, verse 2. Father, I desire also that they also, Jesus prays, John chapter 17, verse 24. They also whom thou hast given me may be with me where I am to behold my glory which thou hast given me in thy love for me before the foundation of the world. And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. How is heaven like, Lord? How is this place which you have to work for, struggle for in this present life of mine? I, I normally would use this analogy to explain it to to younger the younger audience. Many of us here in this world can easily experience earthly joys or pleasures. Your favorite food, your favorite leisure, your favorite activity, hobby. A good conversation which also gives us some spiritual pleasure in the process 
and all of them have their satiation point. After a certain time, even with the best food, which we always like and always prefer to choose, there comes a point when the pleasure already decreases. When the comfort becomes discomfort. Because we are full. Our stomach cannot take it anymore. Our taste buds have deadened. Now, if that happens in this world, in the city of men, it doesn't happen in heaven. Where we shall see God face to face, enjoy everything we could ever imagine. What no eye has seen, you promised, dear Jesus, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. We can never comprehend how it would be in heaven because of the limits of our possibilities, but we could have an intuition of it, definitely. We can directly, indirectly have clear ideas. Consider that it is the reward which the Almighty God have, will give and to obtain it for us. The Son of God became man and died for us on the cross. If love, even human love, St. Maria writes, gives so much consolation here, what will love not be in heaven? Foster the virtue of hope. All these things will come to end in this world, but there are things that remain. There are merits that, are, that await us. All our good deeds are seen by God. All our virtues, all our struggles are worth it. Do everything unselfishly for pure love as if there were neither reward nor punishment. But in your heart, foster the glorious hope of heaven. Given that it means so much, we have to give our best to reach it, knowing besides that God will always help us. St. Paul was so confident in this. His strength was always in God. He wrote to the Philippians chapter 4, verse 14, I can do all things in Him who strengthens me. I am sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Not that I have already obtained this or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brethren, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And when we arrive in heaven, I'm pretty sure there will be a welcoming party for us there. 
Perhaps St. Joseph will be one of those who will welcome us to congratulate us. He has helped his son. He has protected him. He continues to protect his church, the universal church, and all her members. And he has protected you from the snares of the devil. And then our mother, the blessed mother, who will embrace us because we have been entrusted to her. We who were represented by St. John are children of our mother. And then all the saints. St. Jose Maria, for example, smiling at us, inviting us to that eternal get-together with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if in this world we could not fathom the mystery of that unity and trinity there in heaven we will be able to understand everything we will see him as he is and the face of jesus that face that has changed the lives of so many that face that could that reveals how much god loves us those eyes that penetrate everything in our soul. Of course, we will see him as he is. The last years of Saint Jose Maria, he prayed. This, um, these are words from Scripture. Vultum tuam requiram domine. May I see your face, Lord. And perhaps as we end this um, meditation on the last things let's say it now to the holy family may i be with you may I long for heaven and only struggle to fight against my tendency to sin which could lead me to hell i thank you my god for the good resolutions affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.